It's a pleasure to serve with you, and uh, it's an honor to be able to open the Word with you all today to talk about fellowship. And I think it's very fitting that we take the Lord's Supper today. Uh, for those of us who are in Christ, we share in the fellowship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another. And that is the beauty of, of continually remembering. As often as we gather, we are observing the Lord's uh, body and 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 blood, what he gave for us on the cross. This morning, we continue into our series in 1 John. Uh, we, we introduced, we started off the first four verses last week. We looked at, at how Jesus is the Word from the beginning. John says he is God. He is God, very God. He is one with the Father from eternity past, and he has been revealed to us. And then this, this week we're going to see the message that was revealed. Okay, So we know that Jesus was real, but what, what's the message? What, what did he proclaim? If you're joining us online, welcome. I hope you enjoy the study of the Word with us. I pray that you get into 1 John and read through it yourself. I invite you to come and be with us in person as we go through this Word, and as we, we discuss and we seek to understand. Uh, we see that light is an important part of the message this morning. It's an important part to having fellowship. And up oh, for me, sorry, I'm going to mic that table here. In all honesty, I tried to get a wireless microphone this week. Got it from Amazon, it came. It's not the right fit for my phone. I had to send it back. So maybe next week. Next week we'll have a wireless mic. Uh, but anyway, so light is an important part. It's a, a necessary part of life, health, even our safety. Right? Last night, one of our children came into our room said, I'm so scared, I had, I had a nightmare, it was terrifying, and it's 2.30 in the morning, so of course we love those kinds of visits in our room, and, and, and we're like, you know what you need to do? Go back to your room, you need to turn the light on, right? The light will help you see. The light is so important, for all, that's a good reminder for all of us, right? What time I'm afraid, when I'm scared, when I don't know where to turn, I turn the light on. And I'm not going to say which child it was, right? That's not the important thing. The important thing is that we are trusting in the light. We In the light, we can see. And in 1 John 1, 5 through 10, John is calming down the fears and, and the anxiousness of the churches around Ephesus that are hearing all this false teaching. teaching. And it's, it's getting them antsy. And, and we're wondering, okay, can we have some clarity on the truth here? John says, I would love to share that message with you, that clarity. And here it is. Let's read verses 5 through 10. And I do have those verses up on the PowerPoint this morning. If, uh, hopefully you have a hard copy, but if not, the text is up there as well. John says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you all that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It's a powerful message. Thank you, Lord, for this word. 
John says, this is the message. I'm just a messenger, right? He said that last week. He's saying it again. He says it over and over in this text. And in the gospel according to John. He says, this is, this is just all that Jesus said and did. And I'm recording it for you. That the word message and proclaim is the same root word. He says, what I heard, I'm passing it on. And, and, and that false message you're hearing, let's get clear on that. People are saying that Jesus is not God. That it was just God the Spirit or God the Son hovered over the man Jesus in kind of like a ghost-like form and, and possessed him, so to speak, to carry out his mission and do the Father's will. That is a false message. So this message, look up close, okay? Draw up close. If you're wearing glasses, put your gla push your glasses a little further up your nose so you can see this is the message. And, and I hope you got a handout. We have handouts uh, for notes to help you track along. We have copies of those out at the table. You're welcome to them. The first point we're seeing here in verse 5 is the true word that unifies. The true word that unifies. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John says this is the summary message of all that Jesus did, all that he taught him, who he is. So first, there is no darkness at all in God. He uses a double negative here. And if you and I are in English class, that's a no-no, right? A double negative. Don't not do something. That's not proper English. But in the Greek, it's acceptable for emphasis. And he is emphasizing that there's no way, not in any part, not even a shadow or a hint of darkness in God. That means nothing about God is confusing, is contrary to truth is subjective uh, or, or even to the extreme that there is darkness or sin or evil in God. Not even a little bit. Because God is light. That's who he is. So we take that to mean that God is the source of light. Right? <laughs> Physical light. He's also the source of truth. He is a revealing God. A self-revealing God. That he wants us to know who he is. He wants our eyes to be open to the truth. So he speaks. So he reveals himself. He shines a light into our minds and our hearts. So it's, it's not about some secret knowledge. Which is what the false teachers were saying. Oh, we have a secret. We have a, a, a knowledge about God that only the super spiritual can attain. And it's by hearing this special teaching in a corner. No. Jesus didn't do anything in a corner. He revealed himself so all could see the light. Now some, they rejected him. That led to a harder heart. But for those that opened, that opened up their eyes and saw him for who he really was, they received the light. And I thought it would be really helpful to do a quick overview of that theology of God is light. It's all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, so John's not making up this message here. It's from the beginning. So Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's nothing but God before the beginning of creation. And what is his first creative act in Genesis 1.3? Let there be light that is significant. I, and, and to be honest, before this week, I'm not sure that that really struck me before. But the first act of God is to shine a light, is to reveal, 
and to say, look at what I'm about to do, which no one could do because no one was created at that point. It was just the light. But God knew what he was about to do, and he'd fill us in on the details later when we came on the scene. The first thing, let there be light. In Genesis 3, though, man and woman rejected God, disobeyed him and broke his law, and plunged the world into darkness. Because as his image bearers, they were supposed to reflect his light, his goodness, his glory in the earth. And instead they said, no, we have found another way. We have found a secret knowledge. We want to be like God. That's exactly what's happening in the New Testament era in 1 John. Just follow this new special path. That's not a new path. That is the path that leads to death and darkness. So man plunged the world into darkness and he lost, as a result, that intimate fellowship with God. So now God must reveal himself continually through the scriptures because man is walking in darkness and does not see the light as he was created to. So in Genesis 12 to 15, God appears as a, as a fire making a covenant with Abraham and, and he walks between the animal pieces to make a covenant with Abraham to reveal himself as a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who's faithful to keep his promises, and he has a hope of future for his people. And how does he make that covenant? In the form of light. A burning pot is, is one way it's described in the scriptures. Then in Exodus 3, when he reveals himself to Moses, and he says, I am that I am. I am the self-existent God. He doesn't reveal the fullness of his glory if he did that. Moses would be liquefied and killed he comes in the form of a burning bush. Light. And he says, I want you to go and be my mouthpiece. I want you to reveal who I am to Pharaoh, to Egypt, to the Israelites. Then in Exodus 13, when God leads his people out of Egypt, out of captivity, he keeps his promise. He leads them in the form of a pillar of fire at night and cloud by day. He is a light to his people, guiding them through the wilderness. When they get to the promised land, all those years later, and then through the period of judges and, and kings, and you finally get to the reign of King Solomon, and the temple of the Lord is built. Solomon prays in 2 Chronicles 7 that, God, will you meet with your people here? Will you hear their prayers? Will you reveal yourself to them when they seek you? And when he finishes prayer, fire comes from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord fills the temple. God's glory and fire and light come together. But the sad reality is that Israel failed to live up to the covenant. They broke their word. They broke their vows. They walked away from God. They disobeyed. Because we all do that. But they turn their back on God not to return. So in Ezekiel 10, the fire and the glory cloud lift up from the temple and leave. God walks away from the temple, from Jerusalem, from Israel, and leaves them to their own devices and sin. He disfellowships with them. But he gave a hope and a promise. In Isaiah 9, 1-3, he says, There will be no more gloom for those in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great what? Light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death. This is a big deal. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus in his public ministry. Matthew 4. He goes to Nazareth. He lives in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And Matthew says, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And he quotes it verse for verse. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Make no mistake, John says, Jesus is the light. Wait, I thought God was the light. Exactly. Jesus is the fullness of God of human flesh. This is God revealed to us. He is the light. This is the whole message. When Jesus says, I am, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He came to set the blind man free, which is all of us in our sinful hearts. And one day, Revelation 20, 21 says, the city, the heavenly city, will have no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Jesus is the light. Not just metaphorically, but we don't need the sun to give us light in the new heavens and the new earth because we'll have glorified Jesus and his glory will light the whole place up. Amen. It's, it's incredible to think about. So why is this so important, John? He says, in order to have fellowship with God, you've got to know who God is. You have to know that he's the light. You have to have fellowship in the light. Intimate friendship. That's what fellowship is. And you have to know the light of the world. There's also a test to know whether you truly understand who God is and if you have fellowship in Him. So this morning, we have to understand, or we have to ask ourselves the question, am I in fellowship with Jesus? This passage is not, as some people would say, something to make you doubt your salvation, make you really question and wrestle, am I a believer? No, really it's more of a, of a test to make sure we are not getting swayed by false teaching and to see who in our midst understands who Jesus is and walks in sweet fellowship with him. So here's the first test of fellowship with the word. So it's point number two, but it's the first test of fellowship with the word, verses six through seven. He says, if we say we have fellowship, right? So that's, that's subjective. If we say this, but we walk in darkness, Right? There's that if, but. So fellowship is that intimate friendship. Okay, I say I know Jesus. I say I have a relationship with him. But I'm walking in the darkness. In other words, I'm the pattern of my life and, and my habitual practice day in, day out is to embrace the darkness, to enjoy sin, to live apart from God and his word and his ways. That does not add up, John says. That, 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 that can't be. Lacey and I both love watching the show Shark Tank. Like, whoa, that's an awkward transition. Hang with me. So Shark Tank is fun because you've got these millionaire, billionaire investors sitting in this, like, it's almost like a throne room. It's very, very interesting. They call it the Shark Tank, and they're the sharks. 
And these entrepreneurs come in and they pitch their business ideas to these, these wealthy individuals and they try to convince them, hey, get on board with us and become an investor for this much money and for this percentage of our company. Well, Mark Cuban, he's, he's the richest of them all, the billionaire investor. And on one episode the other day, as we were watching, this lady comes in and she says, wow, I just love this show. Shark Tank is one, I watch it all the time. I just want to tell you guys what an honor it is to be here. And then she proceeds to make some statements that if you watch the show, these are big no-nos with the sharks. She's trying to sell them on some things and, and using some logic that does not fly. And Mark Cuban speaks up and interrupts her and says, you just lied to us. You just lied to us. And it gets so tense in the room and it gets quiet. And they're like, what, what, what's he saying? He says, you just told us you watched this show. If you watched this show, even one episode, you would know not to make that mistake. <laughs> and he calls her out on it. Whoa, it, it was tense. Like I said, we like that show, okay? There, there's, there's some good moments, there's some cringeworthy moments. But in a similar vein, if someone says, oh yeah, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. And then when they proceed to talk about him or talk about their life or their, their pursuit, what do they live for? It matches nothing like the one we find in Scripture. And the Apostle John says, you lie. You're lying to us. You're not practicing the truth. In fact, the emphasis he's placing there is saying, you only lie. You only lie. Do not practice the truth. Don't tell me you're a Christian when your life is consumed in darkness. You're doing your own thing, your own way. You are your own God. But, verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that, that statement's a bit surprising because we would expect him to say, we have fellowship with God, right? If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with God. But he's drawing attention to the fact that our relationship, our fellowship as a church is a visible witness of us walking in the light. And deeper than that, our hearts are knit together with the same spirit. Make no mistake, our vertical relationship with God, it directly impacts our relationship to others, our horizontal relationships, right? right. I'm not up here this morning teaching you some, some spiritual platitudes, and we go home and we live a completely different, different life than what we're talking about this morning. We want to know the light and walk in the light because this has a direct bearing on how we parent our kids on how we love our loved ones, on how we work and our work ethic, on our studies and education, on the way we present ourselves and communicate. We're either in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another, or we're not in the light and we don't have fellowship with one another. There is a connection there. And a Christian without a local church community, we're acting like we're an only child here. You do realize there's a whole family, right? We're called to fellowship together. I got that, that example and illustration from Tony Evans, and it just stuck with me. Stop acting like an only child. So today, we're going to look to get together at the beach, hopefully, Lord willing, and enjoy that fellowship because we love one another, because we are in the light. Now, that doesn't mean that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with sin. We struggle. I have sinned, even this week, 
loads of anxiety, discouragement, burdens, not feeling like I'm accomplishing all that I should be accomplishing, feeling like a failure, right? But here's the promise in verse 7. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's what sets us apart. That's the sign of walking in the light. We've been cleansed. Past, present, and future. So as I'm reflecting on this week and I'm feeling discouraged, I didn't get everything done I wanted to, and I'm feeling like, man, I'm, I'm really behind the ball on so many different things, I can reflect on my relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son and know that I'm covered and there's nothing I need to do this week to earn the favor and love of God. And there's nothing I can do to get closer to Him. I already have fellowship with God. How encouraging is that? So this week, let's pursue intimacy with God. Let's get to know Him more. And let His light shine fully through us. Whether that's teacher appreciation gifts at Canaan Elementary. This Wednesday, we're going to look to show some love and shine a light and build a relationship with, with these people that we're going to launch out on that campus in September. We want to be a light. You also need to choose to be a light in your business place, your workout group. Uh, just hanging out at the beach or the park. In the store, are we accurately reflecting his life and the fact that we fellowship with him? And here's the third and final point. There's a second test of fellowship with the word. And this, he's, I mean, if you didn't think John was, was convicting and, and cut to the core before, he certainly is now. In verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin. If we say we have no sin. So it's just like the first test, right? If we say this, but but now we're saying we're, we're sinless. If you say you're perfect, you, know, you haven't made mistakes here. The emphasis is on the verb, we say. Because <laughs> we all know that's not the truth, right? So the emphasis is not on the, we do not have sin. The emphasis is on, oh, that's what you say. You false teachers. Those who would fool yourselves. I'm okay. I'm a good person. I don't have sin. He says, who are you deceiving? Not me. Not God. Not the people around you. You're only deceiving yourself. You're dismissing. You're excusing. You're trying to hide your sin. And it's not fooling anyone. You're just, you're blind yourself. But believers, we have something so much better than concealment. Covering up. We have atonement. We can confess our sins. We can be honest about our sins. We can bring everything out in the light. Let God see it. Let Him know it, God. I see what you see. Because the blood of Jesus covers all sins. I can name them. I can own my mistakes. I can't fix them. That's why I surrender them to the Lord. I confess them. That's the difference between being in the light and in the darkness. And, and it reminds me of, of since we've moved to Florida here, I love how trash pickup happens here. It's kind of a random thing to be thankful for, but I love it. Because anything that you, you consider trash, you want to get rid of, you just throw it on the curb. And they, they come and they take it. I'm not used to that. Where I come from, you got to pay extra. There's certain days they come and take certain items. But for the most part, in Florida, you just put it on the curb next to your trash can, and it's gone. And even if the trash guys don't take it, some person in a pickup truck just drives by and, and takes it. So you can throw everything out on the curb, and it will get taken. 
You don't, you don't have to worry about that. And your neighbors might judge you. Wow, that's a lot of trash. Like, I see the inside of their house, you know? That's okay. They can, they can judge me because guess what? In a couple days, it's going to be gone. It's taken care of. Spiritually speaking, that's what we think of. That's what I think of when you have someone who's trying to conceal their sin. The false teacher or the, the, the unbeliever. And we don't know, okay, how do, how do I handle my own brokenness, my own failures, my pride, a divorce, sexual sin, anger? I guess i got to try to hide it and cover it up and make it look like I'm a better person. And maybe I hide some things in the closet, shove it under the bed. You know, it, it, it might stink, but I'm going to try to hide it, make it look nicer, make it look like I'm okay. And I'm going to downplay, this isn't really that big a deal. I'm going to look at my neighbor. Look at all his junk. Look at all his baggage. I'm the better person. The believer says, I've got all the same junk that the unbeliever does. But what do I do with it? I'm opening up the doors of my house and I'm throwing that stuff on the curb. And I'm saying, Jesus, I need you to take all this. I cannot handle this. It's too much. It's stinking up my life. It's caused a break in the fellowship with me and you, I need you to take my sins. And when we repent and we confess, repent is, I need, I need a new way, I need a different way of living. I'm tired of hiding my junk. Confession is saying the same thing about our sin and our life that God does. He's in the light, right? So I agree with the light. This is a problem. These burdens, this sin, it's a problem. I confess it. I get it out. And Jesus took that all on the cross. It's paid for. I don't have to take care of it. He did. And verse 9 confirms that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. You put a period right there. Because that's actually the central point of this verse. In the Greek, it's, it's not a flowing sentence of he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's what it looks like in the English. Now John is making the point. Jesus is faithful and just. Full stop. The promises he made, he keeps. Those of us who put our faith in him are not disappointed or let down. We are saved. There's nothing more to look forward to. There's no secret knowledge or, or closet teaching we need to pursue. We have the light. If we confess our sins, we abide in his faithfulness. And he is just to take care of those sins. Not just say, oh, sin's not a big deal. You know, thanks for saying sorry, but, you know, I'll let you into heaven. No big deal. Very big deal. He shed his blood for us. We're going to remember that in a moment. We shed some tears over what it costs for Jesus to pay our sin. It was so offensive to God, and he willingly took our place. Because he's faithful and he's just. We're bragging on Jesus this morning. He is the light. He is salvation. He is hope for his people. He is the fellowship that we have with the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. And I want us to remember that picture of trash on the curb this morning. Because when we all go home today, you're going to pass a bunch of neighbors. And maybe they have physical trash on their curb this morning. But you know they have spiritual garbage. 
you know they have burdens and weights. And it's so easy for us to stand from afar and look down on them and, and smell the, the, the awful stench of sin and say, well, I'm glad I'm not that sinner. Glad my yard's looking pretty clean. And we forget that, well, our trash pickup happened a while back, didn't it? And sometimes we forget that. We take it for granted. And we look down on others because their life is a mess. So were we. We also were in darkness. So we have sympathy on the lost. We love the lost. We care to see them delivered from captivity and domination of their sin and brought into the light. Now notice, Jesus didn't say, turn up the heat. He said, walk in the light. And a lot of Christians think if we just shout at sinners, if we just tweet at them, if we do a protest march, well, now we're taking a stand for the truth. And now they need to sit down and listen because we have the truth and they don't. And But will yelling at an unbeliever get you anywhere? Is that how someone led you to Christ? They yelled at you to get your life together? They held their noses walking by your house? can't believe the kind of sin, that, that stench that's coming from that place. We love. We love our neighbors. It's not how you grow a family. You love people into the light. In verse 10, our last, last verse we're looking at here says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I believe that this is just the, the natural application of verses 8 and 9. Right? Because verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Also, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. It's the opposite of confession. Instead of saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong, we're saying, I'm right, God, you're wrong. You're the liar. I'm fine. I don't need help. But who's the faithful and just one? My friends, it's not you and me. It's Christ. Christ alone who is faithful and just. God is faithful. He's not unfaithful. He's not unjust. Here we go to use some, some double negatives. And his truth abides in those who see the truth, who see the light. So this morning, I'm in the light because he is in the light. His word is in me, and I have fellowship with God. We all need to consider this. Do I have that kind of fellowship with God? Maybe you're here this morning and his light and his love are not a part of your life. And you're excusing sin instead of giving it over to the Lord. Then, in that case, you would have failed the test that John has put here before us. If you are walking in darkness, you are still dead in your sins. And I encourage you to talk to the Lord today. Talk with one of us so we can walk you to the scriptures and hear from the Lord. And give your load to him. Give your sin to him. He is faithful just to forgive your sin even today. Believe him. If you are a believer this morning, can we rejoice? Can we be thankful that we have been set free and we have all the grace we need for today, for tomorrow? We also have joy and fellowship in the flock. I know our flock is not very big right now, but do we need a big flock to have joy? Do we need a big flock to have fellowship? 
God says, I am enough, period. I am perfect fellowship and relationship, so let's pursue Him this week. Let's love one another this week. And let's pursue others and invite them into this fellowship so that they might know the joy that we have. So recapping those three points from 1 John 1, 5 through 10. First of all, the true word that unifies. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Secondly, there's the first test of fellowship with the word. If we say we have fellowship, then our life must look like it. And then our third point, the second test of fellowship with the word. If we say we do not have sin, we're fooling ourselves. But Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take that to heart this week. Let's consider what our Lord has done for us. Pastor Dennis is going to come and lead us in communion as we reflect on what exactly did Christ do for us to purchase such an atonement. Pastor Dennis.